Now we continue. There's no, there's no one got an economy, ha- cost of up. living, tax credit. Right, here we go. Okay. Now, now we've got some people. Right. Hi, Rishi Sunak. I've got so much to say about such little time. My name is John Watt, and I'm one of the COVID vaccine injured in this country. I want you to look into my eyes, Rishi Sunak, and I want you to look at the pain, the trauma, and the regret I have in my eyes. We have been left with no help at all. Not only am I in here that's vaccine injured, there's another man over there whose life's been ruined by that COVID-19 vaccine. I know people who have lost legs, amputations. I know people with heart conditions like myself, Rishi Sunak. Why have I had to set up a support group in Scotland to look after the people that have been affected by that COVID-19 vaccine? Why are the people who are in charge, who told us all to do the right thing, have left us all to rot and left me and the thousands and the tens of thousands in this country to rot. Rishi Sunak, look me in the eye. When are you going to start to do the right thing? The vaccine damage payment scheme is not fit for purpose. In Scotland right now, according to the yellow card system, there are over 30,000 people that have had an adverse reaction to that vaccine. And okay. deaths. J- John, thank you very much indeed for your question. It's time for you to start doing the right thing, you've, Mr. Rishi Sunak, and the rest. You've, you've, you've made a really strong... Not many, not many people applauding from, from what you can see in the you know, in, in the video here. Um, for those of us that don't speak Scottish, can you translate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. He's got a <laughs> thick Scottish accent. Can barely understand the word he's saying. <laughs> just rewind it a few times, my, my English-speaking listeners. Just rewind it a few times so yeah. that you can, you can get a grip on, on what he's saying. Vaccine injured, clearly pissed off, and uh, what a set of bollocks on this one, eh? Holy fucking moly, no kidding. He came out swinging. Look me in the eyes, Rishi Sunak. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that guy's a beast. Fucking mad, hell, man. Mad respect. Mad he, respect. He, he fucking stood in front of the mirror and fucking practiced that shit, bro, because he, he fucking nailed and it. every time Sunak looks away, every time he looks away, look me in the eyes. <laughs> oh, oh William my God, Wallace, bro. this guy. Holy fucking moly. I mean, yeah, I mean, holy shit. Should we continue? I remember watching. Yeah, please continue because it gets better. Point, John, Prime Minister. Yeah, John, well, I'm very sorry to hear about your personal circumstances. And you said someone over here also seems to have suffered by the similar, by a similar thing. Now, obviously, I, I don't know about the individual situation. That you're we're in, silenced, and Russia. we're silenced. Well, on I don't. Social media and okay. We are silenced. We are the most. Did someone say wanker? That was me. Oh, you okay? <laughs> 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 oh man, it sounded. It sounded like. I mean, it sounded like somebody on a microphone in in the video. Oh man, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Funny. That's awesome. <laughs> Silence people in this country. Silence in the press because my story in the press. Okay. I had to go to the government for comment, and they made forgive, forgive me, forgive me both. I know I'm happy. We, we, no, no, no one. No okay. one. John, no one. No one is saying. No one. Oh yeah. Okay. I've lost my house, my wife, successful career. And sir, you raised some very valid points. I'm sure. What I've got to say is though, we haven't got you on microphone, and as you know, we've got to get through this. 
I'm sure we can we can raise your points with the Prime Minister at a later yeah. date. But in the meantime, Prime Minister, if you yeah, can no, cover the I'm, issue. I'm, I'm very happy to. Oh, so there is a vaccine compensation scheme that's in place, as you alluded to in the NHS. Obviously, everyone individually will work through their cases. It's difficult for me to comment on anyone's individual case. I'm sure you'll appreciate that. I'm very happy to go and look at the cases, and I'm sure you'll get them to the team here. I mean, I, I'm very saddened and shocked to hear that you've been silenced by anybody. That is surprising to me, so please do get your details to Stephen and the team, and I will happily take that away. Of course, you should better speak about your experience, what's happened to you, and as I said, we have a compensation scheme. Why should LGBT people vote Conservative? This is a... Oh, now. This is a bloke dressed up like a lady. Yes. Country whose values are reflected in our party and in government and that is that it's a compassionate, tolerant place. And we want to make sure that people, whatever their background, are respected and treated with dignity. Right? That's the kind of country that I believe in. And it's not just about LGBT, it's about absolutely everything, right? That, quite frankly. Like, this is a place which has always been welcoming, tolerant and inclusive. That's who we are as a country. And I think that's what we will always will be. And I'll always make sure that that's the case while I'm Prime Minister. Uh, forgive, forgive me slightly, but I think some of the issue may be less about the LGB and more about the T, Prime Minister. More about the trans issue. Well, on, on that issue, look, my view on that is relatively straightforward. Look, first of all, right, for people who are going through that, particularly children, right, we have to be really sensitive about it. We should be understanding, we should be tolerant and compassionate, as I said, because that's who we are as a people, respecting everyone and their differences. Um, but I also think on that issue that particularly when it comes to questions around women's safety, women's health, that biological sex is important. For our uh, devolution, Hull and East Riding of Yorkshire, there is no proposal for spending on culture and the arts. Why is that? Right, well, sounds like a great shame. And we're losing out on your talent, John, right. Um, so look, I don't know is the simple answer, so I will go away and take a look at that. Um, my question is very simple. Since the 2019 election, when the Conservative Party won an 80-seat majority, do you believe that the Conservative Party have delivered anything of real substance and value since then? Perfect. David, well, great to hear from you. I was in Darlington earlier today, working out of the campus that I set up there when I was Chancellor, um, which is a great example, actually, of levelling up. It's not in one of the big northern cities, not in Manchester, Leeds or Newcastle, it's in Darlington because it's places like Darlington that are now getting the focus from a Conservative government. And I was speaking to young people today at Heavily that edited campus now. were telling me about that. All from the North East, up from Newcastle, from York, from Durham, from Teesside, from North Yorkshire, all of them working at the heart of government in Darlington. Why are you so adamant about Rwanda when public documentation shows it isn't working and that it's not going to work? So can you be open and honest with everybody today and tell us what the next steps are? I don't know what the hell's happening here. A bunch of fast forwarding. Yeah, so Joe, which is a UK-based YouTube uh, channel, has basically edited this together and made sort of a highlight thing. And, and he's basically just saying a bunch of shit. A lot of people will be scheme. wondering, how do you get this through Parliament? <laughs> this is a big problem. Yeah, well. So they're discussing, I mean, clearly they didn't expect anybody to make it all the way through this interview. They're discussing uh, Rwanda, how uh, 
the the reason that Rwanda needs to accept all of the the refugees? I mean, it, it'll it basically Rishi was just going on about what the scheme is and why it's you know it's 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 irrelevant. It's been fucking talked to death. This is the real what, question, but this is, is what it, they fast what, forwarded through in this. Video. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you want to figure out what the Rwanda scheme is and why it's a shit idea, you can Google it, and the first thing that comes up is, or it tells you, you everything about it. Or you can go back a few episodes and and of listen course, to even what, better to our even analysis. Better go back. Uh, but don't worry, yes, we're not yes. we're not ending here. We're not ending yet. <laughs> Um, minute, should we, should we hear his response on Rwanda? Yeah, because this is actually what matters. It's actually less, so it's in one sense, less a question for me, and it's a question for Keir Starmer and the Labour Party. The UK's okay, estimated to be short of here. over a million. That is so fucked for so many reasons, okay? He's basically saying that even though he's prime minister, and even though his party holds a majority, that he has no control over the immigration policy of the country. He can't get his Rwanda policy through because of the Labour Party, of which doesn't have a majority in either um, government or in parliament. So you've got to ask yourself, Rishi, why the fuck would I vote for you again later this year? If you can't even do it now, let alone later. Yeah, what good are you? Exactly, exactly. And it's just like from the American perspective, suggesting because Keir Starmer is uh, the, he's sort of the, like the equivalent of the Democrat majority leader in, in, yeah. in America, ish. right? Yeah, ish, yeah, yeah. So it seems bizarre that, I mean, it seems unbelievable, honestly, that Rishi Sunak would blame the left for, his immigration policies or his immigration goals that seem very conservative. Does the... Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it, I mean, I don't know what that tells voters, but if I was a conservative voter and Rishi Sunak, I asked Rishi Sunak, why, aren't you, why are you not doing this? And Rishi Sunak went, well, it's nothing to do with me. It's all to do with Labour. I'm sitting there thinking, but you're the guy in charge. You're the prime minister of your party, of which has a quite commanding majority of a parliament. So what's going on here? Um, you know, he's almost, telling, he's almost telling the public to go and ask Labour for him. Well, you're fucking talking to them every Wednesday at 12 p.m. <laughs> so why don't you fucking, you know, they are, they've just chatted. You know, we're recording this now, but they have just chatted like bloody three hours ago. You can ask him there. Why are you not letting Marawanda policy through, Keir Starmer? And it's not like they're not letting it through in Parliament. It's in the Lords. And it goes to the Lords, and then the Lords send it back for amendments on some reasons. You know, that's not just Labour. That's all the other fucking Lords in there. So, Rishi Sunak, you have just advertised the fact that you have... No control over the country. You have no control over the lords. You have no credibility in terms of re-elect, uh, re-electing yourself. You are useless to this country, and nobody should vote for you. And, that's and basically if, what he said. And if that's the case, then then who is who is in control? Who does have who does have the say? Who is behind the scenes pulling the strings? Because that's 
the way that this strikes me, and, and maybe it's my affinity for conspiracy theories, but it's the same thing in America. It's just pass the buck, blame somebody else, and whether there's someone else, I mean, there, in my opinion, clearly is someone else to blame, especially when it comes to things like uh, Joe Biden and this, this report that just came out from uh, Robert Hur, the special counsel that was uh, responsible for investigating uh, Joe Biden's possession of classified documents that he was not legally entitled to possess, the DOJ decided they're not going to press charges. And in defense of this, I mean, first of all, a sitting president can't be indicted. But that's not stopping anyone from indicting him next January when Joe Biden is no longer the sitting president. But why should we believe that Joe Biden is running the government when the Department of Justice says he's a feeble old man that cannot demonstrate his, you know, mens rea, which is a, a legal term for, for a criminal mind, for, for criminal intent. Yeah. Joe Biden is so demented in the legal medical definition that a jury would not find him willfully capable of committing these crimes. So who's running the country? Yeah, it's, it's really fucked. I mean, for the UK, Rishi Sunak doesn't even command the fullest support of his own party. So it's, it's, and of course, our government is a lot less presidential than yours, you know, where there's Joe Biden can have a lot of say individually over a lot of stuff. Ours has to go through a lot more checks and balances. So it's harder to say if there's a single entity or multiple entities pulling the strings. For the most part, it's a large it's a large machine, our government. So, and there's a lot of people that need to be made uh, to have assurances before things go through. Do you think by Sunak sort of deflecting and, and, and blame shifting, do you think he's sending a message saying, I'm, I'm not the guy? Or is he making an excuse? He's making an excuse, bro. But in making an excuse, he has signed his own death warrant for the uh, election. He's basically making an excuse why it's not working, right? Because that's, that's all Rishi Sunak can do, because he's a fucking idiot. But in doing that, he has basically explained that he's fucking useless to both himself, his party, the country, parliament, the lords, everyone else. You know, and... That is his, that is what he has done. He has advertised his uselessness to the, to the population of the UK. And anyone that votes for the Rishi Sunak this year should be extremely ashamed of themselves because not for his opinions, right? But for the fact that you are voting for someone that has by their own volition said that they have no control over the country. And you have voted for them anyways. It is one thing to vote for someone that has, like, you know, that I don't agree with, whatever, that's fine. But if you vote for someone that doesn't have any control over the country, I mean, I just can't justify that decision at all. Does, okay? <laughs> does, does UK politics have a, 
an, an old blood problem? Do they, In, or is, is it the same, is it the same politicians for too long like it is in the United States? Yeah, there is that. It's not as bad as the US. Obviously, the House of Lords has some very ancient people in there. Jesus, there's some real museum pieces in there. <laughs> but the House of Lords doesn't have anywhere near as much power over the country than people are let on to believe. Parliament is a lot younger than um, your government is. We have some old people in there for sure. And there's definitely some people that have been in there far too long. But for the most part, you know, it's a real subset of people between about 40 and 60. There's very few people over 70 years old um, in Parliament compared to the bloody Dems, which their fucking average age is probably about 56, like minimum, isn't it? Like super old people in the Dems. Um, so yeah. Well, compared to American politics, 56 is like, that would be like a sweet spot because <clears throat> I've, I've heard in these conversations about the age of politicians that, you know, a, it's a large block of the electorate in the UK as well are the elderly. And they would look at a young politician, even, a, you know, a 56 year, if, if you're 80, a 56 year old person is just a kid. You know, when when you were yeah. if they're 50, you were 30 when they were born, you know, kind of that like that's a baby. So their credibility sort of hurts. The, the, the 56 year old candidate, because yeah, for sure, they don't like, have faith in their life experiences. Yeah, like our average age of a politician in the UK is 50 years old. And in America. For senators, it's 64. <laughs> and for congressmen, it's 58. So you and, guys and are that's, significantly older. That, that's like the, in, in Congress, it's, it's a mess. It's, it's so, inf like, really infuriating. Because, there, so there's this vote on um, the, the Ukraine spending. Goes through the corrupt Senate, no problem. And it's, it's likely going to fail in Congress. Right. But these congressmen are voting. They're voting for a Democrat agenda. And then they're saying, oh, we're retiring. We're not seeking reelection. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw, I'm just going to completely disrespect all of, all of the people that voted for me, all the Republicans that voted to put me into office. I'm going to vote against their values to give the Democrats what they want. And then, and then I'm just going to say, fuck you. I'm not even going to try to get reelected. So you can mm -hmm. stick it where the sun don't shine. If you don't like it, this is what happened with uh, the impeachment of Mayorkas. Three or four. So what, what happened with the first impeachment vote of, of Alejandro Mayorkas, the, the Homeland security secretary was that there was a uh, uh, procedural error. And this was why one congressman voted no. It was four congressmen. Um, Ken Buck, Mike Gallagher, and uh, one other scumbag. Who cares what his name is? <laughs> 
the the congressman from Utah voted no. Got uh, Blake was his name. Got dragged mercilessly, and then it was later revealed that he voted no, so that the procedural error wouldn't get taken to court. They could correct the procedural error, hold another vote, and ultimately impeach Mayorkas, which they have done. Oh, so that seems fairly straightforward. It's just the thing that gets me is these Republican congressmen. I mean, this is, this is, why, <clears throat> this is why we can't get anything done. And this is why it's, it's it, the, the, the Ukraine funding bill is very alarming because of all the other shit that they stuff in there. Congress is supposed to be voting on single issues. So yeah. this, this bill coming from the Senate should be dead on arrival. But Mitch, uh, Mitch McConnell, the Chinese communist scumbag, <laughs> is already working on members in the House to try to get this bill passed. Because that's the agenda. And it doesn't matter that we have no border security. They're going to push this funding through anyway. And hopefully Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, puts it to bed immediately. But this idea that these congressmen who have no term limits will completely destroy not only their chances for re-election, because, I mean, this is why they say I'm not going to run for re-election, because they're, for all intents and, purpose, in, intents and purposes, saying, we know we just screwed over all of our voters, so we're just going to bow out. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise you'd say I'm, pa I'm passing the torch on to this successor and I'm, I'm going to back. And they all say guy. the same thing. Oh, I just, I politics wasn't meant to be a lifetime career. You're supposed to serve yeah. your time and then move yeah. on to do other things. It's all. Yeah. Politics is also about representing the will of the people. You scum, you absolute yeah, scum. We're going to vote. They against always say something things. about their family too. Yeah. I, I like, need to spend, oh, more I want to spend more them. time with my family. Yeah. It's like you scum, bro. You scumbag liars. But uh, Mayorkas is impeached. I, I suppose that's a good thing, although it's not going to change border policy. Like, there, there's, there's nothing. The, it's clear in my assessment that funding for foreign wars is more important to the Biden administration than security on the border. We could have yeah, both. That's outrageous. We could have it all. Yeah. We could have a secure border. We could have funding for Ukraine. We could have funding for Israel. But the most important thing is that that southern border stays open. Yeah, they've massively politicized the border security and immigration of uh, the U.S. I don't really know why. It should be fairly cut and dry. But they've, they've well, made this big political hoo-ha about it. And, and for the public, it is. I think I saw a poll that 70%. Of, of those polled thought that border security is a massive issue. And it is a massive yeah. issue. It's yeah. just the mainstream media isn't uh, affecting the opinion of the people the way that they have 
traditionally. And that's because they've been lying. They've, they, they lied about Donald Trump's Russian collusion. They lied about the COVID pandemic. And they've been lying all through Joe Biden's presidency about the things that Joe Biden is doing. And they say things like, oh, no, the economy's fine. What are, what are you, there's, there's no problem with the economy. I just saw, and, and I just saw an interview with, uh, uh, who's the, the biggest loser gal, uh, Jillian, Jillian Michaels, the fitness instructor, nutritionist. And they were talking about the economy and, and Bill Maher says, uh, the economy isn't as bad as everybody thinks it is. Uh, what do you mean? And the, his, his inner interview, he said, Go buy some fucking eggs. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, millionaires that just smoke pot and do interviews like Bill Maher, uh, they don't feel the increase in uh, the price of eggs or the price of fuel or the price of plane tickets or the price of housing. They just believe whatever they hear on CNN. And this is why of the course. mainstream yeah, media yeah, yeah. has lost control. because. The media tells them that the economy is fine and the public says, uh, yeah, right. I can barely afford to fucking live. The economy is not fine. Four years ago, the economy was fine. Four years ago, I was doing good. And now I can barely live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, there's this like denial, like especially in the UK as well. Like we had 18% food inflation. So how is that not going to affect people? Like, even if you say that, you know, whatever, you have to expect that if there's a, there's a cause and effect. If food is 18% more expensive over the course of a year, like, that is going to affect people, so. Well, and things <laughs> like, like musical instruments, you know, nobody cares about the, the cost of a guitar, but the cost of a guitar is up like 300%, man. It's crazy. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, you, you, could, you could get a quality guitar, and I mean like professional quality, for about $1,200. You're looking at $3,000 now or more Wow, for a quality that is instrument. so much. I know there's a lot of factors that go into that, but the economy is not doing great, and it's the economy and the border that voters care about the most, not climate change. And trans rights and no, abortion no, no, rights. No. Like, th th this is what the left is telling their voters are the key issues. That, and we, of course, we have to stop Donald Trump because Donald Trump is Hitler. He's and, evil. Yeah. He's going, to, he's going to arrest all his political opponents if elected. Well, you mean like the same exact shit that the Democrats and, and the corrupt Department of Justice is doing right now and continuing to do? I half expect the FBI to knock on my door at any moment because I dare speak out against the regime. This is the state of Western politics. This is why I liken, or I should say Western governments. This is why I liken these governments to 1930s Germany because and I'm but I'm sure Stalin was doing it too we in fact we know it's it's fuck yeah he ver was doing it. verifiable Holy shit going door to door and arresting their political opponents 
Yeah, he fucking he fucking arrested all the doctors because he thought the doctors were gonna rise up against him or something. <laughs> oh man, that's so good, and that's so that's so appropriate. That's totally so. <clears throat> what I think you're really that's, saying. That's why I say our governments are not really that fascistic. Well, uh, see, they're, I, they're more they're more like a they're more like a they're more going towards a Soviet thing because fascism is about the single race thing. We're, we're we're not that that's for sure but um the soviets were more like a big collection of socially everyone's you know everyone's the workers of the world you know all this if you don't believe what we say though to the gulag with you i really feel like it's just different packaging for the same ultimate goal yeah pretty much yeah. like pretty fascism much. is more about like convincing the billionaires while communism is about convincing the workers. You know what I mean? Like, like fascism is about convincing the CEOs. Well, I mean, that's fascism is about convincing everyone that there's one true race and everyone else isn't shit. That is what fascism is. And you've got authoritarian leaders. You got the dictatorship. You got the consolidation of, all businesses into one big mega state with I, a mega race. I, that's fascism. I just, I feel like that's only a small part of it because what does, I mean, like, what do you think CEO, like, how do you think CEOs feel about democracy? Like if you said to, uh, you know, Bezos or, or anybody, any, any CEO of a major corporation, like we're going to use uh, democracy to decide your company policies moving forward. Fuck that, bro. Like what exactly? What CEO would be like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that." We're going to let we're going to let all of the employees vote on uh what time they start, how many hours they work, uh what kind of uniforms they want to wear. Like nobody would go for that. I don't even think no. I would go for that. <laughs> no, I've seen a company that's worked like that and it was fucking terrible. Um, you couldn't change anything because everyone had an opinion. Um, but, you know, a company entity is so different from a country. Um, well, this is, I mean, my point is that this is what the left wants for, this is what they claim they want for the governments of the West moving forward. Everybody yeah. has a voice. It's it's pure democracy, and th this they they this is not their aim for benevolent reasons. This is just like the I mean, this is the sales pitch for communism. Oh, it'll be great. Pretty, the pretty workers much. will run everything. Yeah, that's that's why I liken it more to communism than than fascism because fascism is very very straightforward. There there you know there is a leader. And everyone else gets behind the leader. Um, with communism, they framed it like everyone was in charge. But they only did that so that they could install, you know, the, dicta the dictatorial leader. So, and then they um, say, oh, just kidding. Hey, all, yeah. of you that, all of you that helped us achieve our authoritarian goals, well, you're revolutionaries, and we can't yeah. have revolutionaries in the new uh, in the new regime. So off to the gulag you go. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it definitely a lot of a lot of the Western stuff definitely shares more traits with that than it does than it does fascism. Fascism is so race based. It's so it's based a lot on social hierarchy, um, and communism is as well to to that uh, degree. But um, nah, and I just want to get rid of because because one of the one of the things that the left say so much is that oh you're a Nazi, you're this, you're that, and you're the other, and it's just. Um, and is it's isn't just, it alarming? No, isn't it alarming how uh, the, those those words they have no energy anymore? Oh, you're yeah, a they fascist. Said it so much now. You're man. Hitler. You're a racist. You're an Islamophobe. You're all like ten years ago. That was really effective. Like that that tactic is still resembled in American politics. Because, I mean, evidenced in all of the pussies from the GOP, you know, the, the Republican Party. Oh, don't call me a racist. Please don't call me a misogynist. I'll never get reelected. And now we have a bunch of feckless, flaccid leadership on the right. While all the leadership on the left is bloodthirsty. Bloodthirsty and, and authoritarian. And on one hand, like, it, it's good. It shows that the leadership all all republican leadership is geared towards the voice of the people whereas yeah. the democrat leadership is geared toward the agenda the cultural narrative we march in lockstep as as we bring up on this show all the time but i can't bring myself to believe that that's exclusively the result of calling republicans racist for the last decade no. I think it's more a result of corporate influence creating one party of bloodthirsty warriors and a second party of feckless pussies. Yeah, I think poor leadership in the RNC is like to blame for a lot of it. Um, and plus the gaping vacuum that happened after Trump uh, left, that has a lot to do with it as well. You know, the whole red wave thing, like we talked about, that fucking never happened. I mean, you can't, you can't really blame a lot of shit for that other than the, than the Republicans. Like, well, it their shows, job is to advertise their opinion. If you, if you want to believe, which I go back and forth on, the integrity of the elections, mm, yeah. then you could blame the failures of the Republican Party on the voters who refuse to support the failing Republicans. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with that argument in theory. Yeah, yeah. But neither political party really represents the will of the people. Because if they did, we mm. would have mm -hmm. border security. We would have more than 200 Republicans, 215 Republicans, or 214 actually. Voting, I mean, dude, by one vote, it was 214 to 213 in favor of uh, impeaching Mayorkas. I said that wrong, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and three Republicans that said, even though 70% of the citizens want secure borders, want safety in Texas and Arizona, we're going to vote against impeaching the guy responsible oh and we're not yeah, gonna seek it's just we're not uh, gonna seek re-election because we're cowards we're pussy cowards 
We're going to give the no, left I mean, what they want that. and it, then walk It is away. that. I mean, you can say whatever you like about the American election, but they didn't plan anything if they lost. So, and that's another thing. None of these politicians, left or right, seem like they're actually concerned about getting reelected. Even the ones that haven't stated that they're not going to seek reelection. And what is that? Yeah. I mean, to me, that says we've got the elections under control. We don't need to worry about what you think, voters. We're free to pursue our cultural agenda. Because when it comes election day, it's all going to be in hand. I mean, I guess that's the kind of thing you want to uh, advertise to your voters. You know, you're strong. I'm not worried about it. You guys throw your vote in and it's all going to be good. Um, but I would or, imagine yeah, inter- internally, internally, they're probably like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to yeah. be interesting this well, year. Until you get the phone call from George Soros that says you're doing great. Or Alex Soros now, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I have a new script for you. Here comes all that money, I promise. And man, the Amazon gift cards. So one, the, the one thing we're, we're missing or, or the one thing we should, we should cover before we wrap. Yeah. Is the, the January 6th pipe bomb story, which is it's exploding this week. Oh, is Um, it? So unfortunately the remainder of the analysis will have to go next week. If, if there's any more, remaining to be covered. So we know there were pipe bombs, three pipe bombs, I believe, planted around the uh, Democrat National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C. And it was reported by the Secret Service and law law enforcement in D.C. that these were viable bombs that just didn't go off. But now we have video that says or that shows security teams with bomb sniffing dogs walking through these areas where these bombs were and nothing was found. So the sensation is now one of two things. Either the bombs weren't live, the bombs didn't have explosive materials that were detectable by the bomb sniffing dogs, or the bombs were placed after the security team went through. Right. Which is completely a completely different story than the official narrative. What was the official narrative? Uh, th- oh, that the bombs weren't uh, dangerous. They were planted by an amateur and they never would have exploded. Right. Sort of a sweep it under the rug kind of story. Yeah. But also they weren't able to find the person that planted the bombs, even though, as I mentioned before, they have his uh, transit pass information. They have his uh, vehicle license plate. They know of, of contacts he made in other states before he traveled to D.C. But we still don't know who the guy is. And we still don't know why the bombs didn't go off. We still don't know when they were planted. And when we ask for, these, for this information, they claim, oh, it's, it's corrupted, it's lost, it's, we can't provide it to you. It's such a crock of shit, bro. So everybody that believes that January 6th was an inside job is having their theories confirmed by this kind of behavior. And it begs the question, what sort of benefit 
does the, the controlling regime gain by keeping this information from the public? Keeps the story alive, doesn't it? Because um, if you, if you, if the guy's found, right, then. Well, I think they closed. know who he is and they're just not. Because the guy well, that pr- found probably, him, yeah. the guy that found him was a plainclothes Capitol Police officer. Right. Yeah, I mean, it keeps the story alive, doesn't it? Like, you know, the, it, the yeah, Unabomber sure was, 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 a, was a fucking huge story for, for ages. Then they found him. Then there was a piece, you know, because they found him. And then, and then, you know, it's gone. Do you think it's... But, you know, in the moment. Do you think it'll be resolved? Like, this is one thing that frustrates me, particularly about the, the Joe Biden dementia report. Like, like we, we all knew he was demented. We all saw his speeches. <laughs> we all saw yeah. what a fucking oatmeal brain he was. Yeah. But here we are, uh, uh, 11 months, 10 months from a new president. And it's just coming, it, it's just made its way into the media. Now, now it's, and, and it's, it, on, on one hand, it's being uh, widely discredited because the person making these assessments was a prosecutor and not a doctor. And on one hand, people like Kamala Harris go out and say, oh, these were highly politicized claims and, and not supported by medical evidence. And then there's the other sect of Democrats that say, oh, he's, he's got to go. He's not going to work. He'll never beat Trump. But why, is, why do we wait until now? Why do we wait until the, the presidency is, is almost over? Like, why are we still talking about <clears throat> the January 6th thing four years after it happened? Why, why is Joe Biden's dementia the topic of, of conversation now when he's on his way out, when he's gonna, I mean, the, the Democrats have, are basically, I mean, their behavior says to me, we're losing, we know we're losing because they're trying to put things like uh, a Trump impeachment clause. I mean, it's not specifically called a Trump impeachment clause, but in this Ukraine funding, they say that the, uh, the funds will be available until September 2025, which means that if Donald Trump tries to pause, if Donald Trump wins the election, tries to pause the Ukrainian funding, Congress will impeach him. That, to me, sends the message that they don't think they're going to win in, in the 2024 election. Yeah, it does make it sound like that, doesn't it? And who, well, who mean, are they going to... They- so, they're, they're trying to, some analysis suggests that this report of Joe Biden's dementia is yeah. to get him out of the way so that they can put their, uh, you know, their preferred political opponent up. But the clock is ticking. And they should. And they should. Yeah, shit or get off the pot. And they should. Fuck me, a political party getting rid of a candidate to put someone that represents the party values or the or the citizen values more fuck me that sounds like democracy working well and Jesus. i mean unfortunately it's just it, it it completely uh disregards the will of the people because they're they're not going to pick somebody like rfk who actually has some support from the democrat party they won't pick him because he's too anti-establishment God damn it. He's he's too anti-establishment. But he, you know, 
he fought, he checks all the boxes in things like, you know, climate change, the second amendment, abortion rights. Like he's on the Democrat side of those arguments. He could gain a lot of support, but they don't, I mean, Biden is, is, is seemingly resisting this push to get rid of him because he goes, uh, you know, into a very demented sounding interview and says, oh no, I'm fine. My memory's fine. And then Kamala Harris rolls out and says, oh, no, he's fine. He's going to be fine. When, when Kamala Harris could be the first multiracial female president of the United States, if she mm-hmm. just went after Joe Biden in any meaningful way. But what's Yeah, the- I mean, dude, this report is fucking bad. Uh, really, really and it bad. doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't matter that he's not a doctor. He's not claiming to be a doctor. He's not claiming that Joe Biden has dementia. All he's saying is that his memory is poor. It's poorer than it was in 2017, and that's it. Well, he, he's speaking <laughs> to his experience with juries and prosecutors. Yeah, he's not speaking on this. You know medical experience that he doesn't have. No. No. He's saying this is a poor demented old man that a jury would not believe as a criminal, even though he clearly did criminal things. Yeah. It's 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 uh he's not talking outside of his purview. He's just ex- he's just describing what his opinion is in a legal context. And to what he's seen personally, not to what someone else has said to him, you know, his firsthand knowledge. This is, un- well, he did like this a, is unfuckable. He, <laughs> he did like a, a five hour interview with, with Joe Biden, if, if I understand it correctly. And he has, uh, or, or maybe five hours worth of interviews. He has an understanding of Joe Biden's mental capacity. He has an understanding of what a judge would think, what a jury would think. And he's saying, no, we're not going to, we're not going to prosecute this guy because we really can't prosecute this guy. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens moving forward because Unfortunately for the Democrats and the Democrat voters and people that still believe in the Democrat party, they don't get to have a voice in who they vote for. They're denying RFK access to the media. They have denied him secret, uh, secret service protection. And what they're going to do is, uh, they will just uh, decide for the voters who the Democrat candidate for president will be. In November. Yeah. Yeah. You got they any- should pick someone else. I think anyone else but Biden would be a good choice at this point. Uh, because Biden is just too easily um, manipulated. You know, I'm reading this NBC News article. Shout out to NBC. Shit fucking company. <laughs> but uh, this, this little bit is fine because they're only describing stuff. Uh, It says, Andrew Weissman, who served on the special counsel Robert Mueller's team, said Thursday on MSNBC, another shit company, uh, that Hearst's decision to lodge criticisms of Biden's memory problems was gratuitous and reminded him of when former FBI director James Comey held a news conference 
criticizing Hillary Clinton in the months before the 2016 election. Uh, he said, this is not being charged, and, a, and yet a person goes out and gives their opinion with adjectives and adverbs about what they think entirely inappropriate, he said. I think a really fair criticism of this is, unfortunately, we're seeing a redux of what we saw with respect to James Comey at the FBI with respect to Hillary Clinton in terms of really not adhering to what I think are the highest ideals of the Department of Justice. This, I believe, is complete bullshit because, um, as we see at the beginning, Robert Hur has said that he is not going to prosecute Joe Biden. And then what he has done is he has explained why he's not going to uh, prosecute Joe Biden. He's not said... Otherwise, you end up with this typical Department of Justice bullshit <laughs> where... Someone goes, I'm not going to prosecute Joe Biden, and that's the end of it. And then there's so much speculation around why they have decided to do that. He has been transparent enough to say, this is why I'm not doing it. This is categorically why I'm not doing it. I think a jury would be um, swayed by the fact that he could portray himself as an elderly man with poor memory. That is it. There's nothing else to look into into this. You know, you can criticize Robert all you like and say that what he said was not right, but all he has done is explained his opinion of why he, he's not going to prosecute the guy. Yeah. He, uh, this character assassination is outrageous. He expressed an opinion that doesn't jive with the, the Democrat unified narrative. And so he must be destroyed. Some, now, some people have said he is, uh, he's working at the behest of Barack Obama. And uh, other, people, other people have said that he is hoping to have a place in, in the Trump administration or just not have Trump go after him when, when he becomes elected. And what, yeah, Obama? The, yeah, the Obama thing is, is kind of interesting because I thought, and I, I don't know if I've said on this show before or not, but I yeah, thought that yeah. the, the push for Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, to be yeah. the, the Democrat nominee, I, I thought the push for Newsom was meant to distract from uh, Michelle Obama being the, the preferred candidate. But now it seems like, you know, Reliable sources, I, I presume, have said that Michelle Obama does really not want to be president. She does not no, I, want. I can't imagine why she'd want to do that. Right. I mean, a duty to her country or something. I mean, I still don't believe it. I, I, I still don't believe that they wouldn't try to push Michelle Obama out there. Because what I mean, yeah, I'm sure they'd love to. Uh, I think Michelle's uh, appetite for that is probably zero. They and just they've got. Kamala Harris, which is already, you know, their um, token choice. Yeah, she has no support, <laughs> so, though. She has, she had yeah, like she's fucked. Three <laughs> percent. She was, she was getting like three percent of the vote in her primaries when Oof. she was running for president ag against Damn. Joe Biden. Yeah, she is not, she is not likable. The, a Oof, lot of people think that up. Biden, Biden's pick of Kamala Harris as the VP would be so that they wouldn't try to get rid of him because they'd be stuck with her. Which is a, I mean, that's, it's a viable strategy for, for VP picks. <laughs> yeah. We daren't, we daren't get rid of Biden because we would be stuck with Kamala Harris. And that's so funny. But, but the, I do the, think Gavin Newsom is definitely the guy they'd put up 100%. It seems more likely now. I just don't think like I, I was, I was thinking about this the other day, a, a debate, a hypothetical debate. 
which probably wouldn't happen. No. The hypothetical debate between Newsom and Trump and what, what would, what would Trump's response to every, everything that Gavin Newsom said be? <laughs> you turned California into a shithole. You destroyed yeah. California. You destroyed beautiful San Francisco. You destroyed beautiful Los Angeles. You destroyed Hollywood with your, with your crazy leftist policies. You destroyed your state. I mean, what, what more would you have to say against Gavin Newsom? You destroyed I, your state, regardless of your, your views on, on all the major issues. You destroyed your state. You let millions of illegal immigrants in. They, have, they had to develop a, an app for San Francisco to identify the piles of human shit that are everywhere in the city. <laughs> I did not know about that. Oh, dude, it's crazy. Like, how does... It's how so does, funny. I mean, and, and these are the things that's, that stand out in my mind. Like, how could they make Newsom the guy? How would people in California vote for Gavin Newsom? I mean, I, I, th this is one of the things that I point to when I talk about election integrity. Two million people signed a petition to hold a recall election for Gavin Newsom. They had to go through all of these hoops. They had to spend all of this money. They had to get all of these signatures to enact a recall election. And then Gavin Newsom wins that election with 70% of the vote. Wow. How does that happen if, elect if elections have integrity? That's a huge number, man. How did, they, how did they get across the finish line for the recall election if Gavin Newsom really had 70% of the voters in California? Wow. To be fair, though, California is 39 million people. It's true. And I wonder how many of them voted. Of leftists in California, bro. A lot. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And especially if they're letting illegal immigrants vote. The, yeah. the, the most recent, so there was a mass shooting at Joel Osteen's church. He's a terrible scumbag, uh, religious, whatever figure, evangelical Christian. Yeah. And uh, there, there was a shooting at, at one of his churches, I suppose. A, uh, uh, a trans illegal immigrant what? that voted in the 2020 election. Illegal. What? <laughs> yeah, dude. Can you believe Dude, that? Dude, that's shit? like the that's like checkbox like city right there. Yeah. It, it which which tells me that the Democrats are using illegal immigrants as political operatives. Because who better to buy off than a poor beleaguered immigrant that is fleeing, I mean, poverty. Like my personal opinion, it's okay to migrate to a place where you can have a better life. And the Democrats and the Republicans, they both, in my opinion, have designs on manipulating and exploiting all of the migrants that are coming across the border. And if they're illegal, they're all the more manipulatable. I Does mean, uh, California have any sanctuary cities? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's a sanctuary state. Right. We can find out. I'm still, I'm still trying to look up the... the... Yeah, because if that's the case, I mean, why, you know, if people are telling you, hey, look, I, come I, into the country. I know, 
I know sanctuary cities. Oh, here from the Center for Immigration Studies. Yeah, it looks like. I mean, all up and down the West Coast. Los Angeles, townships in Los Angeles. There's about, so let's see, three, six, nine, ten. Ten in the San Francisco. No, yeah, ten in the San Francisco area. Santa Rosa, Sacramento. Yeah, tons. Tons. Tons in Oregon, tons in Washington as well. All up and down. Is, isn't it? I, I, we're, we're just, yeah. we're like in the, uh, what would you call this? We're, we're in like the bonus content section of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really are. Yeah, we're, we're, we're right off the deep end now. This is, this is in uncharted territory. I'm enjoying it, though. It's so relaxed. No, it's good. I, I do think Gavin Newsom would be the perfect candidate, and he would probably win. I'm not going to lie. Oh, against Trump? Ooh. Hmm. The thing that bothers me the most about it is that the Democrats don't get to pick. Like, there's not going to be a primary. It's almost yeah, it's like so this was fucked. their whole goal. And this is what, what gets me back to my frustration with, with the whole thing. It, it is they should, like, this has gone, they've just allowed this to go on for the last four years. Yeah, so I wonder if the real Wombo combo is going to be Gavin Newsom versus Vivek. Now that is like, you know, that, you that, that's a title fight. You don't think Trump's going to make it? You think the RNC no, no, will I have th- to No, I think, I think he'll make it, but of course he only has one term, so. Oh, oh, in the next, yeah, yeah, in the next showdown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, see, and that's, that's the strange thing. Like, like the Democrats have... They have their stable of up-and-comers. They have Gavin Newsom. They have uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the, the governor of uh, Michigan. Yeah. And others constantly, like, rearing their heads. Like, a lot of these uh, lawyers and attorney generals and prosecutors, they, they no doubt have designs on, uh, you know, furthering their political careers. But none of that matters to the public like the if if the public like why would you vote for a candidate that the establishment picked for you you're allowed to vote for gavin newsom only you can't vote for rfk you can't vote for tulsi gabbard who's actually not like she was one of the rising stars on the democrat side until she got crushed and in the and i mean and i mean not politically crushed like uh uh or i guess politically crushed but not by the voters she got forced out by Hillary Clinton the same way that, Bar- that Bernie Sanders got forced out by Hillary Clinton. And, right, uh, right, right, right. Or wait, actually, I don't know if Tulsi ran against Hillary Clinton, but it was the same thing in the, the, uh, the primary for, for 2020. If you weren't a preferred candidate, you will not receive funding. You will not receive re- support from the Democrat Party. And, and that's one of the main problems in American politics, we have this unelected body controlling politics on, on the federal level, controlling who has access to political office on the federal level. And if they don't like you, if you're an election denier or an insurrectionist, then people on your own team, people on the Republican side will work to ruin you. So that you can't even be voted for. Yeah, it's the big it's the big downside to party politics. 
Yeah, it's, it? it's it's the flaw of the two party system. Yeah, and yeah, and to be fair, usually that is uh, offset by having more than two parties. So if you're, you know, if you're not really feeling that party, they're fucking it up. Like, like the Conservative Party for us at the moment is, I don't know who it represents. It doesn't represent the right. It doesn't represent the left. And it definitely doesn't represent the middle. I don't know where the fuck they're at. So all the people that are going to vote a little bit right are going to vote for Reform UK, which is Nigel Farage's old party. Anyone on on the left really is going to vote for Labour. And then there's a few other bits and pieces that people will vote for. But I don't really know who's going to vote for the Conservatives. What part does the media play in that, do you think? Like how how much of the public's opinion is being shaped incorrectly by the media who clearly wants to. I mean, that, that video that we watched from GB News, that was yeah. clearly anti-Rishi Sunak. I mean, the funny thing about it is that GB News was set up to be a more of a right-leaning news outlet. Um, and if anything, they would be the most sympathetic to the conservatives uh, they would be the most sympathetic to people like Rishi Sunak. Um, like they've had Nigel Farage on there. They've had loads of really good interviews on there. Uh, their content's kind of a bit basic. And um, obviously they uh, obviously they didn't vet the people that were going to ask those questions. It's <laughs> a good thing. Um, it lends credibility. Yeah, so, you know, GB News is okay. Their viewership is so low, though. Like, it's 30,000 a day or something, Ooh. which for a TV show is fucked. Like, that's super low. Yeah. So they really only get viewership through, like, crazy shit happening, like that Rishi Sunak thing. Um, and I was talking to a friend the other day about it. I was like, why does Rishi Sunak even bother putting himself in this situation like he was on Piers Morgan the other day and Piers Morgan was like I bet you a thousand pounds that no migrants will ever make it to Rwanda and instead of Rishi Sunak saying I'm not going to start betting with you this is an interview I'm not going to start betting over you know asylum seekers or people that we want to send to a different country is completely inappropriate Rishi Sunak goes yeah sure I'll take you up on that (laughs) I'm like I'm like, is this shit real? So as much as I'd love to believe that the media is framing Rishi Sunak in a a poor way, I honestly believe that Rishi Sunak is so shit in public and in in the media that it's kind of impossible for him not to look um, bad. Uh, If you put Boris Johnson in the same situation, Boris would have handled it like a pro. Boris would have handled that that bet thing like a pro. He would have made a joke about it in that roundtable sort of like like thing. He would have handled it like a pro. He's really personal. He's really funny. You know, he would have made some kind of like he would have made something of that situation. But Richard Sunak, because he's more of like a well, he, he used to be a trader, right? He used to be a fucking day trader in a bank. So he's he, he's not used to doing this kind of uh, conversation and this kind of PR. And I don't really understand why he keeps putting himself in these situations because they are not benefiting him at all. He consistently makes himself look like an idiot. So, and I'm fine with it. But to be fair to the UK, I do believe the UK media does a better job of being critical of all of our political uh, opponents 
You know, today we've got this huge row that's happening in the Labour Party. They've just disqualified two of their own candidates from running over statements they made around Israel. There's this whole shit going on, and the the Labour Party are like, they're getting their asses handed to them by the media right now. Um, And they really go for the jugular here in the UK. They they don't mind. I love it. It's like it's like you get your box of popcorn out and you can just <laughs> see the media rip your politicians to shreds. And I think that should be the way it is. It, you know, the media should be there to, you know, dismantle some of the politicians and make sure that they're held to account. Uh, in America, it's like, what the fuck? In America, you know, Joe Biden will stand up on the, on the pedestal, say something, and then the media goes, yeah, okay. And just writes exactly what he says. They just take it on face value. Yeah, they cut um, out all the. Come on, yeah. man. You know the thing. <laughs> they go, oh, he just said this and that, and that was the point, and this is why it's really great. Isn't it alarming, yeah, they, though? They Isn't take everything on face value. They, 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 they prop him up. They support him. Why? Like, it's so alarming. They, 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 they do that here, but they won't do it in the UK. Like it, it's, no, not really. They they don't really take stuff on face. This every now and again you'll get some political uh, guy that will take stuff on face value. But for the most part, you, you know, the UK people in general love to complain, and they love to pick apart things. So the media shadows the public um, in that we want to know that it's fucked up. We want to know that it's like not going right. And th- this um, is why I make the connection to fascism because. Yeah. It's it's the corporations pulling all of those media strings. Like it was yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Obama administration, and I I don't know if they did that if they did this to, uh, like set the stage for the next guy, you know, to yeah, kind sure. of cool off the uh, the Obama sensation and and bring up somebody else. But I felt like at the end of Obama's second term, the sentiment from the media was kind of like ah we're we're over, we're over Obama. We don't, yeah, we don't yeah. like him anymore, but this is more, the Biden administration is more Obama policies and the Michelle Obama administration would be more Obama policies. Right, right, So right. it seems that these policies are the preferred policies of the corporate overlords. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just like with this Tucker Carlson Putin interview, the coverage from the mainstream media is not really, I mean, it's clear that the corporate media doesn't want an honest look at this interview that Tucker did with Putin. I don't really know why that is, but I mean, fortunately there are independent outlets that are covering it more. Although I didn't hear anything as in depth as, as what we did today. I just think it's more complicated to describe the actual aims of the corporations and the politicians than what comes through. It's like what, uh, do you know who David Icke is? Uh, no. He's like your Alex Jones. Right. And Excellent. One of the things that he says, and, and this is one thing, like he, he's, he, so he used to be a sports announcer, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. 
And uh, then he just decided he was going to, I don't know, some would describe it as going off the deep end. But he, one of, one of his like core principles, I think, is that the, the fact that the human eye and the human brain only detect a very narrow frequency of light because you know everything you know the the light is a frequency everything that returns back to us the colors and the objects that we all see are all frequencies and our brains and our eyes are only capable of detecting this very narrow frequency when there's so much more that is undetectable by the human eye and and you know uninterpretable by the human brain. Mm. It makes me think of the media. The media can't know what is important to you specifically. So I feel like it's only natural that the state of media has taken this narrow perspective that suits the agenda of the corporate sponsors, the ones that are buying ads. Yeah. Because what else would you do if you were running a business? And I have a hard time believing that it's any different in America than it is in the UK. Yeah, there's there's a lot of corporate interest in in the media, for sure. You know, Rupert Murdoch owns great deals of... uh, of our media as well as he owns Fox as well. And this is one um, of the things that, that Putin said um, in his interview with Tucker mm. in, in the context of propaganda and winning the propaganda war. He said America owns most of the news outlets, in, including yeah. the UK. Yeah. So I yeah. don't, I, it, I mean, this is one of the reasons I felt like this Putin interview was so important because not only is it not being covered, but also, it's the other side of the story. Yeah, it's good. I mean, Putin's, Putin's not wrong. Um, and I think it's good to highlight those facts that our media is just as... I mean, it's not as controlled as the media in Russia. R- Russia is end-to-end control, a lot like China. Um, but ours certainly has a great deal of control. And so people should, when they read or listen in or watch the news, they should have their critical thinking hat on at the same time. They shouldn't just take it on face value and uh, supplement it with other sources. Like one of my favorite sources on Russia and Ukraine and everything Vladimir Putin is a guy on YouTube called Vlad Vexler. He's an ethnic Russian. He lives now in the UK. He is a fantastic source because number one, he speaks Russian. He's a uh, philosopher. He writes books on political stuff, so he's a really good speaker. And he speaks very plainly and very unbiased. Uh, I loved his latest video on will Russia break up, because there's lots of people touting that Russia is somehow going to break up into many little fragmented states. And he sort of puts that completely to bed and says there's no chance of that. But then he goes into more details on, on maybe how that could happen and what some of the major forces within Russia uh, are going on um, and how that affects the way Putin's doing his thing. And 
he can go into far more detail than I can. I highly recommend you go check that out because it's a really, 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 really good uh, YouTube series and it has a lot of credibility. And he has, uh, he's paid by his uh, Patreon supporters. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of nice. Well, anybody could send you a payment on Patreon. That's true. I don't mean That's to shit true. on your point, but that, that one thing makes me skeptical. Also, the fact that his content is seemingly celebrated on YouTube makes me also skeptical. I, but I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. Like, I don't know anything about Vlad Vexler. I'll have, to do, yeah. I'll have to do some research and maybe we can... Yeah, sure. I mean, of course, watch it if you don't agree with him. That's, that's totally don't, fine. That is what you should be uh, thinking. Don't take my pessimistic, uh, uh, you know, paranoid view of of the media to heart like i don't i don't like it's like we discussed before the show i'm trying to find a fact-checking source that i trust for some of the claims that putin was making and i can't find one and if i think about it for a minute i don't know if uh, one even exists that i would trust it probably doesn't and i tried to fact check the uh stuff from earlier from Rishi Sunak's, you know, sort of round table or whatever that town hall meeting type thing is. And it was so difficult to get information either from uh, the Scottish man's side. I looked into his claims. I couldn't get any information on that. As well as into the government, I think I only found possibly about 58 confirmed fatalities from the vaccine. Um, so other than that, it was so difficult to find any major information on that. So it's really tough. Well, and one of the um, things in, stuff. in one of the things in, in the U.S., and this is like to your point about finding the facts. Yeah. Um, a lot of the criteria <clears throat> from the CDC and, and the FDA was that a person isn't considered vaccinated until two weeks after they get their vaccination. Right. Like, like what? And a person that tested positive for COVID who died within 28 days of that positive COVID test can be legally classified as a COVID death. Right. Regardless of what, like those kind of things, those kind of statistics make fact checking that information almost impossible because you mm-hmm. say they were there were only like 58 confirmed deaths as a result of the vaccine okay well in america the criteria was 2 weeks after vaccination to be classified as vaccinated i don't know why that was the standard because we saw I'm people not sure. i'm not sure i mean um i know of the the cases that were reported to the MHRA, uh, which is the thing that looks after like medical reporting on vaccine injury and all that, on, and any kind of medical injury. Um, for the vaccination uh, events, what the injury events or fatality events, uh, the majority of them occur between four days to two weeks of after taking the vaccine. So these were recorded four days to two weeks after taking the vaccine, not um, after like a two to four week grace period or something. Um, so it was something like 
a 17% fatality rate with people that reported it. So it's 332 cases that were reported. Um, 17% of those died. And then the other percentage obviously have some kind of long-standing injury or, and that's or like short injury. The, the skeptical group, right? The, the group that would say, uh, I don't believe you to the doctor that tells them this had nothing to do with the vaccine. I mean, it's, it's like um, so the same 300, thing. 332 cases. So actually, these are confirmed cases that confirmed from the vaccine. They were major thromboembolonic events, blood clots. Uh, yeah. This is related to the AstraZeneca vaccine. So there was 332 cases of, of just the blood clotting alone uh, that happened between four, and t- four days and two weeks after taking that vaccine, of which resulted in 17% of them dying. So. So what do you think will come of this? Probably nothing, bro. <laughs> like, if you want me to be honest, fuck it all. Like, literally nothing is going to happen. Yeah, that, that's how I feel, too. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of blackpilling. Um, but, th- I mean, this is one of the things, it's, it's just like what I fall back to with, uh, with the Donald Trump presidency. Do you like yeah. what he did or do you hate what he did? Like, you can't deny how much we learned from the whole ordeal yeah. whether whether or not these people are actually held accountable for the fucked up shit that they did whether these vaccine manufacturers are are you know driven out of business or yeah. not we all learned that the media is corrupt that these companies are corrupt that there are elite forces and i don't mean like special forces i mean like there are <laughs> Groups of elites of elites, yeah, that want a one world totalitarian government, and I don't think we know this without the presidency of Donald Trump and the the COVID pandemic that was in in my in my opinion at least in part designed to get rid of Donald Trump and make elections more easily compromised. Well, for sure, with Trump in place, it makes it so difficult. But, you know, the report I'm talking about is from the government. So that's the source, is, is the actual government. And this report is dated. It's a freedom of, infor- freedom of Information Request. And it's dated 3rd of June, 2021. So it's already almost been three years since this came out. The COVID inquiry is still happening here in the UK. And that doesn't get finished until 26. 2026 so we might i don't know it might be too early to say nothing will happen from this because we don't know the full information yet you know it could be far worse once we get through all this shit and into 2026 when the full results come out but i mean it's been three years since this freedom information request came out about how many people got um blood clotting from the AstraZeneca vaccine. And that, I think, is what spurred uh, a lot of the um, vaccines to change uh, for younger people um, into using the Pfizer one instead of the AstraZeneca one, because I believe that the Pfizer one had a lot less cases of blood clotting than the AstraZeneca one. They were physically just different drugs. Um, So obviously something was going on uh, with that. But even still, though, like, that is... (sighs) 
such a low number compared with how many people took that fucking vaccine. Well, have it's you heard amazing? Have you heard the reports from America about the 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 tested the vials that they tested having other uh DNA contamination within the within no, the I vials I within I the used no. yeah the used uh vaccine vials were tested and found to have other kinds of DNA in them, you know, beyond what was advertised and how this, these other DNA particles in injected into people could cause, you know, un, untold numbers of side effects and, and, you know, damaging health problems. But it's just crazy because as you say, yeah. it's we're, we're, we're three years on four years on. And from this report, you know, we're four. Yeah, we're four years on now from like the mandate COVID itself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and this has all been heavily suppressed. And it's it's one of those things that that makes me extremely distrustful of the media because yeah, th these people yeah, I should totally be, agree. They should be shouting this shit from the rooftops so that it never I, happens again. I totally agree. And it was a major difference in the UK press because I was so used to the press being very critical, and today they're back to the, their usual selves. You know, <laughs> fucking right on my screen right here is what fresh anti-Semitism row could mean for Labour's election chances. I mean, that's a horrendous headline to have going into uh, your upcoming it. election, bro. I love but it. back during COVID, I mean, the media were extremely scared um, to say anything that didn't toe the line. Well, and that's why um, I was so blown away when, when this was what the clip was about, you know, cause I explained, I didn't really know what to expect. And then I watched it. And the first thing is this pissed off Scottish bloke talking about the injuries that he suffered from the vaccine to the prime minister directly. And then the most impressive part is that he isn't immediately tackled and have the mic ripped out of his hands <laughs> for bringing up such an outrageous notion. Yeah, bro. That, I mean, it's, dude, uh, it, it lends good credibility to to the media in the UK, though. We don't fuck around. Well or done, at least you. We don't we don't now? But during COVID, there was a lot of fuckery, bro. There was a lot of from and, but even both sides of the party as well. Like Keir Starmer would just let the conservatives just get whatever they wanted through, in the name of not getting in the way of progress, which I think is a massive misstep. I mean. Fuck me, they've, they've done that around every war and every fucking major thing I wonder forever. If, if, I wonder if that's why the inquiry is going to go into 26. Like, I wonder if that is a designed sort of time delay to allow the, in, the, the interests that were pushing the, the vaccine mandates and the, the COVID hysteria to let them all kind of fail. Because, I mean, I... I I keep looking for ways to, to, to call a lid on this, but the, um, one of the things I wanted to get into last week is the massive failing of these establishment media companies that are laying off hundreds and thousands of people. I mean, maybe we're just biding our time and letting yeah. these companies fail and, and letting them lose some of their power and their control over the masses to then put out the releases of these, these inquiries and the other reports of, of all of these vaccine injuries and, and, and all of the 
you know, the large scale trials that were done and, and studying yeah, the yeah. people that were yeah. the first ones to take the vaccine themselves. If we wait, you know, 2026 will be, you know, six, seven years post pandemic or, or, or maybe it's just to let the statute of limitations run out so that they can put out all of this information, make us all aware of what happened, but then say, oh yeah, we can't send anybody to jail because statute of limitations. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure that it was amazing news to Boris Johnson and all those guys that the full report wouldn't come out in, until 26. But saying that, <laughs> oh, thank God, maybe I'll be dead by then. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I, I bet it was amazing. So like, oh fucking, hell, I can defer that. But then what happened was that they made this COVID inquiry such a public process. You know, all the in-person inquiries when they, you know, bring Boris Johnson in and grill him in front of the board of the inquiry, that is all televised. That is all public televised. You can watch it. So as much as, as, much as I'm like annoyed that, you know, I won't be able to see the full report until 2026, you can kind of see it being made in real time. And, you, you know, every now and again, there's a new article where uh, the COVID inquiry releases this bit of info. So there it's, it's more of a public involved thing than just like, OK, leave it with us guys. We'll see you in five fucking years and then we'll release a PDF. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll see you. Findings. We'll, we'll see you after the uh, the totalitarian government has been installed and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's like that for the, optimism? <laughs> exactly. Like they dragged Boris Johnson in, bro. They dragged him in. They fucking broke into his phones and they took all the messages. Like they're not fucking around. And I was super surprised because I was like, you know, this is going to be some, you know, just. Uh... But there's a great TV show called The Thick of It. Um, and it's a parody of British politics. And in that TV show, they end up having an inquiry as a way to satiate the public. Well, you know, don't worry about this. We're going to have an inquiry. And then everyone goes, ah, oh, brilliant. That'd be great. And sure enough, that inquiry ends up fucking up everybody in the government. And I honestly, it's almost, it's almost like art imitating, you know, or life imitating art, where now we've got this public inquiry. And you know, Richard Sunak and Boris Johnson said, we'll do this inquiry just to, you know, get everyone to shut up about the whole issue. But I do believe that this will come back to bite them in a massive way because every fucking year they're dragging someone involved with the situation into a public TV fucking grilling session. Uh, and then in 2026, this whole document is going to come out that you can't, you can't discredit because the process would have been so meticulously done. And it's public for everyone to see. You know, there's no restrictions on it. Um, so I we think it could really bite here. them. You do, man. That's what I'm saying. I love these public inquiries. They set up the public inquiries like, uh, like a little while back, a few years back. And they've been so good because they're just, you know, independent cross-party inquiries that have fully staffed with, um, uh, with uh, public servants that aren't related to any party. They're just employed. Um, and their job is just to inquire on an issue and then they go away. Um, they're not, they're not like a continuous board. They just start for the issue and then they go away after the issue is done. So it's not like there's some thing where, you know, there's some, oh, I want to be reelected to the COVID inquiry board. You know, it doesn't stay around forever. It's, it's yeah, like or, a thing. Or I want to, I want to appeal. I want to do some favors for powerful people so I can get appointed right, 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 to right. some position. No, it was like the Boris Johnson inquiry. Like that was something that we went over like a fair, fair while back. And 
that was completely scathing. <laughs> it was so scathing of Boris Johnson. I mean, it couldn't have gone any worse, really, for Boris Johnson. So it's a good, a good example of, of at least some form of democracy working well. That's when, and luckily, it, we're, we're lucky here in the UK that our government is so large and such a complicated machine that that happens. It's like the, the big lumbering elephant that can't get turned around fast enough. Like, right. Oh, well, that's how beneficial that is to the public. Uh, of course, it's, I, I, know I, I hope that this will have an impact on American politics so that, I mean, American citizens need to say, hey, we, we want some of this stuff. We want these public inquiries. We want uh, transparency. We want uh, systematic accountability for people instead of, you know, like federal court hearings can't even be televised. And, yeah, and a terrible. lot of like uh, Senate and congressional committee hearings happen behind closed doors, you know, not, not open to the public. And they say, oh, it's so we can discuss, you know, classified intel and, and, and stuff like that. Man, if, if I were king of the world, that would all be going right out the window. No more classified this, no more classified that. Like, I mean, military secrets and, you know, positioning and, and movements and stuff like that. That's all fine for classification. But yeah. none of this uh, behind closed doors, January 6th, uh, you know, subpoenas and and hearings interrogations etc like this all needs to be made public and in, instead they they do all these you know closed door hearings and then delete all of the uh the transcripts and and audio recordings so we're none the wiser to anything that was actually said it can all be nicely yeah. framed within the preferred narrative it's such a shame because you guys used to rely heavily on your media to do a lot of your investigative journalism as well as pulling apart all these politicians, right? You know, Watergate was put together by journalists, not mm -hmm. inquiries. Um, so now that you've lost that media, you know, the Washington Post and the New York Times, these are like some serious organizations that made some serious uh, articles back in the day, bro. Like they were like, pulling up some real, real interesting news. Now, they're like a shell of what they used to be. Well, now you can, all, you can guarantee it's whatever you're hearing is just a bunch of lies that suit a corporate narrative. Yeah, they wouldn't dream of doing a Watergate-style fucking article on Joe Biden. No, they just, because the, the corporate establishment goes, no, we like, we, we like Joe Biden. I mean, what it really is, in my opinion, isn't that we like Joe Biden. It's that we like having a demented old man uh, believing that he is running the country while we go, you know, behind his back and under his nose and do whatever we want. And then, and what's more, it's not just a demented old man, it's a demented, corrupt old man who will happily sell the country out and has sold the country out to enrich himself and his family and to do political favors for the people that have done political favors for him. I mean, that much is obvious. It's all about stuffing your pockets. And this is something that I've felt has kind of been the trend across the political and the corporate world Yeah, is we're hurtling towards something and everybody's just trying to fill their pockets because they believe that whatever we're hurtling towards 
is inevitable. So might as well get rich in the process, you know, before the other shoe drops and everybody figures out what, what has been going on. And the, the most unfortunate part is that the, the voices that are trying to warn us about the impropriety uh, in, in government are being very suppressed by, you know, social media and, and mainstream media. And uh, that's, why, that's one of the reasons I was so excited for the show today, because we actually get to cover something that was really sort of heavily dismissed in the mainstream media. And that's not, that's not the case all the time. You know, I, I struggle to find things that aren't being covered. Most of the time I realize, well, these things aren't being covered because they're not really that particularly interesting. But not, not so today. No. Shall we go? Yeah, I can do some stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do too, even though I feel like we could probably go on for another hour. Yeah, I know, right? So it's visit Vox404.com and follow me on X at EarthVox. Follow my co-host at 404 missing underscore link. And uh, please join the conversation by sending your email to the real EarthVox at protonmail.com. Yeah, I really enjoyed um, speaking on this episode, man. It was, uh, it's been a long one. It's been a real journey. We've covered a lot of content and we've gone all the way across North America and the UK and Europe. And I'm looking forward to getting stuck into El Salvador next week. I oh, want to bro. talk about El Salvador and what's, what's going on over there because it's that really... Was uh, where, that was where the Joel Osteen uh, shooter was from. The, the trans illegal immigrant election ah. voter was from El Salvador, which I found bizarre uh, I because El Salvador is framed as uh, such like they've they've really turned themselves around and they're not a crazy corrupt country. But this shooter is from El Salvador and that Chinese uh, migrant camp was also in El Salvador. It's just really interesting. Yep. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off and, and continue. Uh, rattling on but I, <laughs> I just found it really interesting that El Salvador since they you know have kind of restructured their economy and and they're on the rise as becoming you know low crime and kind of a, a, a good destination is now like being framed as this you know land of migrant camps and mass shooters yeah so it's going to be really interesting to talk about that next week. I'm really, really keen because there are lots of people that um, believe that what they're doing in El Salvador is against human rights. And there's lots of people that don't agree with their approach. There are lots of people that say, shut the fuck up and we're making it better. Um, so I can't wait to talk about that next week. It should be really great. But what you can do right now is listen to the last episode because that was another really good one as well. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>